Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Let's have all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Y'all, I apologize in advance for the noise. I'm not at my house. I don't have my microphone stand or the little hook thing that hangs in front of me because I forgot to pack it. And I did pack my microphone stand, the one that I usually travel with, but I forgot the screws that like I can screw in the microphone so it stands upright on its own. And so I'm sitting here holding the microphone because that's the best we could do right now. We're going to figure it out, y'all. We're going to figure it out. I apologize in advance for the lateness of this episode. It was not the best week in retrospect. For me to come back, I was very afraid if I pushed it another week, y'all would like rebel and come hunt me down. So I was like, well, let me go ahead and and jump back in because I said it was going to be four weeks and then it turned into five. And I was like, if I try six, they're going to fight me. This week is wild, wild in good ways. I had a bunch of meetings earlier this week. The big project that I went on hiatus to work on, it's doing well. But now I have meetings to move it to the next round. And then two episodes of the podcast, and then a cover story due. And then yesterday was Essence Black Women in Hollywood. And so I shot a get ready video with um, with a sponsor. I was like, oh, it'll just be easy. They're just going to, you know, film me getting ready and going off to the event. And it turned out to be like a full-fledged production. But like two days before the shoot, I was like, I can't do this. I don't have a dress. I don't know what to do with my hair. Like, I'm a mess. I can't pull any of this together. I'm just not doing anything. I'm not going to the event. My team had to, like, pull me off a ledge and was like, okay, so there are people for this? My lawyer had to go call the stylist, brought her in. The manager and lawyer were, like, part-time therapists. We will work on putting you together. Can you sit down and do the work? Because nobody else can do the work. People can style. People can do face. People can do hair. You can outsource all of that. But your lovely little brain, with all of its creativity, we cannot outsource that. So go focus, and we'll figure out the rest. But all day Wednesday, I had um, meetings in the morning, and in the middle of the day, I was running around prepping for, for yesterday's event. And then in the evening, like more work. I went to Leading Women Defined. I don't know if I mentioned it last episode, but it's a conference for black women. It's hosted by Deborah Lee, who used to obviously run BET. 
but it's kind of like a who's who of like corporate black women. It's like a really like, actually, I would say intimidating because when I first looked at the list, I was like, everybody who's attending is like a CEO. And then there's like me. But I was like, I'm not the CEO or CMO or CFO or see anything oh of of any corporation really kind of unclear on how I got into this room and it was another time the lawyer and the manager had to talk me off a ledge and they were like yeah everyone in that room listens to your podcast they watched your film that's why you're there and I was like oh well when you put it like that so on Wednesday evening um, there was a clubhouse room and I I think you can re-listen to the conversation the invite is still up on my social I, I think it's at we are lwd on Clubhouse. But we we had a conversation for Leading Women Defined and we were talking about the conference and the gays and the nays, which I couldn't even think of a nay. I had an excellent time. But the best parts of the conference and, you know, the sisterhood of it and the community and the networking and and all of those things. I was really happy to be a part of the conference and then also happy to be able to discuss the conference with with Deborah Lee and some other um, attendees, including my baby, Gia Peppers. She was on the Clubhouse stage with us as well. It's just been a really busy week, but we pulled it together. I don't know how. I was in bed by like seven o'clock last night. Like in my head, I had this idea that I was going to be in hair and makeup at 6 a.m. So be up at 4.30 yesterday, got up at 5.15. That's got to count for something. I was in hair and makeup by 6 a.m. The production team got to my hotel. Oh, the hotel. Because they're shooting me getting ready. I was like, I don't want all these people in my house. You know me. So I'm staying at a hotel so they could film in the hotel. The production people got here at like 730. And then we started shooting like just after eight. So we shot from eight to 11. I went straight to the red carpet for Essence Black Women in Hollywood, which I thought I'd have a chance to come back to the hotel and hang out. That didn't happen. Straight to the red carpet, then to the event, came back after. I had this grand idea that I was going to like tape the podcast and write this um, this upcoming cover story. It was really ambitious. And in my heart of hearts, I was like, I know I can do this. And then I got back to the hotel. It was like me and my manager. And I was like, yeah, I'm tapped. Like, I can't sit down and do the podcast right now. I got that. Um, it's not nervous energy. It's like an adrenaline rush, like after events. And I was like, I can't just like sit down and do the podcast. So I was like, oh, let's go on the roof. Let's have a cocktail and like chill out for an hour. And then I'll come back down and do the podcast and edit everything and have it in on time. And I came back downstairs. I sat down and I was like, oh, let me just like lay here for a second. I'm not going to go to sleep. I'm just going to, you know, like relax for a minute. And I was out. Like when I woke up, it was like 1230. I missed the parties last night. I didn't obviously take the podcast. I didn't do the cover story that was due yesterday. You think it's not written. My editor is going to be on my ass any second now. I'm like afraid to check my phone. So, yeah. So that's where we are right now. (laughs) I'm doing the best I can. We have a lot of shenanigans this week. There's just a bunch of fuckery afoot. (laughs) What do we want to talk about first? Oh, do we want to talk about Bridgerton? Not that I had a chance to watch it. Bridgerton came out earlier today. Super excited about it. Even though the hottie from the first season is not going to be in it. Reggae Jean Page, which is fine. I like period pieces. Like if you follow me on social, you see me like raving about um, Gilded Age on HBO. I love the costumes. I love a big budget. But before I was raving about Gilded Age, I was all about Bridgerton. When I was at breakfast this morning, I was scrolling just like, you know, random news updates to make sure that, you know, whatever I'm talking to you about is like, you know, relevant, current, up to date. Make sure no crazy shenanigans happen right before I record. I saw the reviews of Bridgerton of this upcoming season. 
so far what I've seen is they're saying it's not so good. But I also read the reviews for and just like that, the the new sex in the city and the critics hated that, too. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. The critics don't like Gilded Age. I love Gilded Age. You know how much I love Gilded Age. I can't get enough of Gilded Age. I could have done three more episodes for this season. Speaking of Gilded Age, I was standing in the red carpet line in front of Sally Richardson Whitfield, who is even more gorgeous in person. I mean, this woman is, uh, uh, let me back up. She is an amazing director, an executive producer. She's an executive producer on Gilded Age and a director on Gilded Age. And she's also an executive producer on Winning Time, which is the story of the rise of the Los Angeles Lakers. I think it's only an episode four on HBO. It comes on on Sundays. It is an amazing series. I had no intentions of watching it because I'm not a, I'm not a big sports fan like that. But a couple people that I know watched it and was like, yo, this is amazing TV. I know you're not into sports, but it's a really great story. Well told. It's the rise of the Lakers. Um, the year that magic gets to the team. So scripted, not a documentary. It's, it's Magic Johnson, Norm Nixon, who I only know Norm Nixon as Debbie Allen's husband. Because again, I'm not into sports like that. And he only popped on my radar maybe like five, seven years ago. I knew nothing of Norm Nixon, the Laker. I don't even think I knew Norm Nixon was a Laker. Yo, your boy Norm Nixon is going to Hollywood parties in all white fur. Like your boy, your boy Norm Nixon is wild. Norm Nixon's son, like his biological son, is playing him in the film. He's hilarious. It's a really, really, really good show, Um, which, again, Sally Richardson Whitfield is doing as well. So we were standing in line together and I was like, I actually reached out to her team. I guess I had the wrong email. I wanted to interview her. So her publicist was standing there with her. So I'm like in line waiting to be photographed working. This is my life. This is my life. I'm never off the clock. Oh, God, an email just came through from my editor for this cover story. I'm so fucking up right now. But I say all that to say, Sally Richardson-Whitfield, amazingly talented, super smart, great instincts, and also, in addition to, gorgeous. Even more gorgeous in person. Like, the shit don't make sense. Like, oh, she's so beautiful. Oh, you know, also I ran into... (laughs) I ran into Nisi and Jessica. They were sitting, like, way up in the front of the room for obvious reasons that they're on the current cover. So I went over and found them. Nisi is like one of the nicest humans like ever. Like she's like, like when you see her on Instagram, like when she's just like always seems to be having a good time and just like a genuinely cheerful person. That's exactly how she is in life. Like it's not an act. Um, and we were talking about my, my trip to Ghana. And so she was like, oh, I know some people you should meet. Text me. And I was like, I will. You know, the world provides. You say you're going to go move abroad. All of a sudden people know like 50 million people at the place you're moving to. It's hilarious. Um, and then I saw Jessica <laughs> and when I interviewed them, you know, like I'm in journalist mode, so I'm not dressed up. I think my hair was still in braids, the braids from Ghana. So my braids were old as shit. I mean, I look decent enough to be presentable in public, but by no means fancy. So we did a Zoom interview. I look like terrible. And then when I went to um, the photo shoot, you know, I wore my, you know, background player all black because like, you know, it's not about me. It's about, you know, them. So I ran into Jessica. She barely recognized. She was like, girl, you clean up good. <laughs> I was like, did I look that bad? They're so, so cute. I just adore them. Okay. We have more important things to talk about than my random ass life. Let's start with white people shenanigans. I think that actually might be all our podcast is today. 
Unfortunately, white folks been acting up this week. That's not good. William and Kate, the royals, are on... What are they calling it? I want to get the... It's a charm offensive. It's a colonial Caribbean tour. And the Washington Post referred to it as, quote, cringeworthy. <laughs> they went to three places. Belize, Jamaica, and the Bahamas. It's an eight-day trip. And I'm reading this from the Washington Post. It's part of efforts to improve relations with former colonies and members of the Commonwealth that still acknowledge the British monarch as their head of state. And this year marks the 70th anniversary of Queen Elizabeth's ascension to the throne. The Washington Post says that Kate and William's tour looks like something out of 1952. Now, I will say this. You know, I'm a huge fan of the crown. I don't really pay that much attention to the royals outside of that. Like, I paid attention to Meghan and Harry, but, like, once they went their separate ways, I had little interest. So, outside of, like, watching the crown on Netflix, this is the first time they're really, like, popping up on my radar. So, I'm looking at these pictures, and they look very much like when Queen Elizabeth went on tour in the first season of The Crown. Like, just as this woman points out, it's 70 years later, and it's like, this looks very not updated. It's these two white people in all of their white people regalia with the hats and the lace and the wearing what looks like a like formal military dress. And then they're traveling through these all black countries. And it's like, you know how all these black folks got to these countries was because of slavery. That was, you know, because of the crown. Like, it's just it's just weird. And maybe I should go beyond weird and say wrong and inappropriate. And as the Washington Post points out, and she was like, you know, they're doing all the things that people usually do on these tours. I'm looking at this one picture that was that was in the Washington Post. And, and Kate is walking among brown children who are waving flags. She's the lone white woman amongst these these black children fawning over her. And I was like, it's kind of cringy. The Washington Post talks about how, you know, part of the tour is always, you know, the people, the locals playing drums. And she was like, you know, is anyone going to point out that at one point colonial slaves were banned from playing drums? Because they said that they were using it to incite revolution or some shit. Yeah. The post continues. This supposed charm offensive feels more offensive than charming. I'd say there's never a good time for retro colonial gallivanting. Gallivanting is one of my favorite words. Sorry. Continuing. But the timing of this tour de faux pas feels especially bad. Just two weeks ago, Prince William, lamenting Russia's imperial-style aggression in Ukraine, came under fire for saying that war was, quote, alien to Europe. Which is so weird, because when I think of war, I think of World War II, which was all in Europe. And then after that, World War I, which was also Europe. No? Okay. The, the post continues, positioning the continent of Europe as a bastion of peace and good relations was quite a convenient way to ignore the brutal history of British invasion, colonization, and enslavement of numerous peoples in Asia, Africa, and the Caribbean, which they're currently touring. The Washington Post goes further and they say, what is the point of royal tours? Which I'm not sure. It doesn't make full sense to me. And it also doesn't make full sense to the countries that they're visiting because in Jamaica... Before William and Kate arrived, Jamaican leaders published an open letter 
demanding apologies and restitutions for colonial crimes and enslavement. Quote, we see no reason to celebrate 70 years of the ascension of your grandmother. That's personal. The ascension of your grandmother to the British throne because her leadership and that of her predecessors have perpetrated the greatest human rights tragedy in the history of humankind. Protesters in Kingston carried or wore signs, say yes, sorry. And in honor of 60 years of Jamaican independence, groups posted 60 reasons the British should formally apologize for slavery and more than 400 years of exploitation. Oh, dear. And mind you, some people are quite happy to have William and Kate there. Like I have seen videos of and not just children waving flags, but grown people who are excited to see the royals in their country and are standing outside in the hot ass sun waiting to shake hands and take pictures and such. So this is just one side of the equation, but a very vocal side. So vocal, in fact, that William had to actually address the backlash. And once again, he fucked it up. He said uh, there was a state dinner on Wednesday in Kingston, Jamaica, and William expressed, quote, profound sorrow. And he said that, quote, slavery was abhorrent. It should have never happened. The Washington Post continues. <laughs> the only thing profoundly sorry about William's remarks is the insulting implication that 400 years of slavery, displacement and death was a mistake that just, quote, and unquote, happened oh dear from what i've been reading the backlash has kind of sort of been framed as like there's a fringe element that's like very upset but this isn't what the majority think and i was like i don't know how accurate that is because the jamaican prime minister told william and kate to their face that jamaica will sever ties with the monarchy and intends to become a republic i don't know if that's necessarily a problem for for the royals They've dealt with so much more taking a licking and keep on ticking. So, but I do know those Caribbean countries are like, fuck this shit. We out. Let's see. There was another story in the Daily Mail. This was more about what happened in their visit to the Bahamas. I'm scrolling to see what they say. They're talking about Kate's fashion. I don't care about that. I'm reading again from the Daily Mail. This says on the eve of the Cambridge's arrival in the Bahamas, the Island Nation's National Reparations Committee. You can see where this is going. They called for millions of pounds to be paid in reparations for the British monarchy's role in slavery. The letter read, quote, they and their family of royals and their government must acknowledge that their diverse economy was built on the backs of our ancestors and then they must pay. I love how direct Caribbean people are. Then they must pay. I love it. I'm continuing now. We, the children of those victims, owe it to our ancestors to remember. We owe it to our ancestors to demand a reckoning and to demand accountability, healing and justice. The Duke and Duchess may not be compelled to make such a declaration during their visit to our shores. They may not be able at this time to speak on behalf of the Queen and their government. However, they can no longer ignore the devastation of their heritage. We, the members of the Bahamas National Reparations Committee, recognize that the people of the Bahamas have been left holding the bag for much of the cost of this extravagant trip. Wait, what? The islands that they're touring are picking up the tab for the tour? Are you kidding me? The letter from the Bahamas National Reparations Committee continues. Why are we footing the bill for the benefit of a regime whose rise to greatness 
was fueled by the extinction, enslavement, colonization, and degradation of the people of this land. Why are we being made to pay again? I would have packed up my shit and gone home. I would have cried on a plane. This little tour seems to be doing more damage than if they just stayed at home and ate their food. Ah, well. I'm always going to support the people that want to get free or, and or the black people. Usually one and the same. What other crazy shit is happening? <laughs> There's so much. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. We're going to talk about the Supreme Court, but I want to talk about a couple other things first. We just talked about Kate and William. Oh, okay. This is brief because it happened while I was on hiatus. And last episode, I told y'all I'm not going to go recap everything that I missed. It's just not possible for me to catch up on everything that I didn't talk about for five weeks. But there was one thing that I would be remiss to skip over. Y'all saw that story with Kamora Lee Simmons? And her scammy husband, not Russell. Russell's an alleged rapist, not a scammer. The, the current husband, the white dude. So <laughs> I'm trying to even figure out where to begin this story. So Kamora's husband, Tim Lesner, Leesner, L-E-I-S-S-N-E-R. Y'all know I can't pronounce names. So Tim, we just going to call him Tim. We calling her Kamora. We just going to call him Tim. So white Tim has pleaded guilty to being part of a huge scam in Malaysia. And when I say scam, I don't mean like the little girl on Netflix. I mean, this mofo was scamming at the top of scamming. 4.5 billion B USD dollars and dineros. He wasn't doing it alone. He was doing it with a partner, at least one other partner. I think it was three of them though. In order to get a lighter sentence or avoid jail, White Tim decided to snitch. There's no way around it. Like I'm reading this from the Daily Mail. They describe what he's doing as agreed to help prosecutors build their case against the business partner who's pleaded not guilty. So you did some dirt with somebody. Y'all got caught doing the dirt. And now you're going to go tell about the dirt y'all did to get a lighter jail sentence or no sentence at all. Okay, we call that snitching. So as part of this trial, they got Tim confessing to all kind of crazy shit. When I picked up on the story was when it got to the part of the confessions where he was like, yeah, when, when Kamora and I got married, I was still married. They said, white Tim, how was you still married and marrying somebody else? White Tim said, yeah, I, I went ahead and photoshopped some divorce documents. You did what, sir? He wasn't done. They said, Mr. Tim. 
That's grimy. He said, yeah. I said, Mr. Tim, how grimy were you? Mr. Tim said he called his wife. I can't call her his ex-wife. He called the wife that he was married to when he had a ceremony of marriage with Kimora. And he said, wife, I need to take out $900,000 to put a down payment on this house with, with this woman that I'm now with, even though I'm still married to you. I need $900,000. For a down payment. You called your wife and asked what sir? You called your legal wife and asked what? Almost a million dollars for a house for your new chick? That's a bold man. White, black, green, blue, otherwise. That's a bold man. But this dude has been confessing to all sorts of stuff. He dated some woman while married. This is not Kimora. This is another woman. He said that woman blackmailed him into buying her a $10 million home. Yo, folks be on black Twitter talking about like, oh, yeah, this dude brought me a Birkin bag. And people be like, gold digger, gold digger, gold digger. These white chicks be out here. I want a $10 million home. (laughs) You want a $20,000 Birkin bag. That's cool. I want a $10 million home. She blackmailed him. She said, if you don't buy me this $10 million home, she said, I know about your little scamming scams. I will tell the people. This is what Tim testified. He said the woman told him if I didn't buy her a house, she would tell the authorities about my involvement in the scandals. She was threatening to expose me. At the time, 2013, I was very fearful of that. You should be. But what's 10 million when you're stealing 4.5 billion? They were in a 10-year relationship while he was married. The Daily Mail, because you know how they be. They posted a picture of the woman's house. Okay, the caption says, this is the house where she currently lives. The Daily Mail says they don't know if this is the home that he paid $10 million for. This don't look like a $10 million home to me. But I don't know London real estate prices. But it doesn't look $10 million to me. I don't think this is the $10 million home. I want to see the $10 million home. It better look every bit of $10 million too. Okay, so the woman who blackmailed White Tim was the woman that he dated before he quote and unquote married Kimora. Is, is married the right term? Are they actually married if he was already married to someone else? Let's read some more. Because Mr. Tim, this is just the beginning of Mr. Tim's wild ways. Apparently, in addition to to forging divorce documents, White Tim testified under oath that he pretended for years to be his then wife, Chinese heiress Judy Chan. And he sent fake emails to his future wife, Kimora, when they began their relationship. He posed as Chan in order to woo Kimura, using it to convince her he was already divorced from Chan. I'm reading this on TMZ. It said apparently Tim did a great job posing as his then wife because the emails presented in court reportedly show Kimura invited Chan and her kids on multiple family vacations, which Tim, posing as Chan, declined. Chan, we just mentioned that she was an heiress. Her family is said to own the top winery in China and a coal mining business. He was just a greedy, 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 corrupt mofo. You're married to an heiress and you out here scamming? But he's really just like a low down dude. Like we've talked about this before, how some people's love language is chaos and confusion. Like they can't function otherwise. Like chaos and confusion is like air to them. It's just how they function. They're dysfunctional when things are going well. You know what? Now that I'm reading this story and I'm saying it out loud, I'm putting a couple things together. 
He was stealing this money along with his business partner, this $4.5 billion. But when he needed money to set up a, a new living situation in L.A. with Kimora, he called his ex-wife for their money. Nigga. White people can be niggas too. I've said that since the beginning of this podcast. White people can be niggas. White people can be ratchet. There was no way I was going to do a podcast called Ratchet and Respectable and we was only going to talk about black people because white people's ratchet be on a whole different level. Like the chick dating a man who she knew was scamming. So she knew about the wife. She knew about the scam and she was like, run me that $10 million apartment. I'm saying she's a gold digger. She ain't fucking with no broke niggas. TMZ says it's unclear if Kimora knew about Tim's fake emails before he took the stand. Her lawyers reportedly say that she and Tim, she and white Tim are now estranged. When, when this story first broke, I wrote about it on Facebook and I was like, oh my God, poor Kimora. Like, that's terrible. And folks was like, fuck Kimora. And I was like, fuck Kimora. Is that what we on with Kimora? What Kimora do? And they were like, she was kikiing with the Kardashians when they were going after Jordan. Kamora's a grown-ass woman joining in on that cackle to go after that 21-year-old. I said, well, well, she was wrong. That's not right. And, and two things can be true. I feel bad for her. Imagine you marrying somebody thinking they divorced because they made fake divorce papers and was sending you emails for years under a fake account. You thought she was talking to the man's ex-wife. Meanwhile, you're talking to him. That's wild. I'm reading this now on the New York Post. Tim's business partner, who, again, has pleaded not guilty, I think is worth mentioning. Tim has pleaded guilty. I think that's worth mentioning, too. So business partner, they want to present evidence that Kimora Simmons helped white Tim launder at least $80 million of the money. They're saying Kimora not only knew about the scamming, but was directly involved in the scamming. Oh, dear. Kimora is listed as the owner of shell companies in Seychelles, Delaware, and California that were used by White Tim to, to funnel cash. Oh, dear. Attorneys for Kimora say their client has done nothing wrong. And they say that any communications between Kimora and White Tim are protected under marital privilege laws and are thus inadmissible in court. Here's the million-dollar question. Are they actually married? Because if he was married to someone else when he married her and he forged the divorce documents, doesn't that like make the marriage to Kimora null and void? They have like a remarriage. Like she found out that he wasn't divorced until we actually got divorced. And then now he actually is married to her. I can't find any reference to when he actually divorced his wife and then officially married Kimora. Mm hmm. Okay, I stopped reading too soon because the scammers lawyers, alleged scammer, they say marital privilege doesn't apply since white Tim forged his divorce papers and he was still legally wed to his previous spouse when he exchanged vows with Simmons in 2014. I'm kind of with them. I mean, I'm sorry to Kamora for that, but I'm, I'm legally I'm kind of with them. Like you ain't legally married if he's still married. This is a mess. But the case is still ongoing. They're only like a month into the trial. I don't think anything else crazy has come out of the trial. But even just now when I did a quick search, most of the stories are from three weeks ago or from a month ago. The most recent one is, is the Daily Mail saw Kimora leaving a gym, which, okay. But with these level of shenanigans, I'm sure there's more to come. White Tim is a wild white man. Wild. 
And last but not least of our crazy white people news this week. And we talked about this last week, so I don't want to belabor the point. Katanji Brown Jackson. She is the black woman who has been nominated to the Supreme Court. They had the hearings this week. As of recording today, Friday, they've wrapped. I don't know when their official vote is. We talked about my crazy schedule at the beginning of this podcast. I haven't had time to sit down in front of a TV to watch any of the hearings. Not that I think I would want to. Just the clips that people were stringing together on Instagram of of Jackson's faces. And not that she was making bad faces, but she was making black woman faces. And any black woman who's connected to black culture knows those faces. Sis was tired. She's a phenomenal woman being badgered with questions by mostly mediocre white men all day, every day for almost a week. Sis was tired. And if you've ever been a black woman working in any sort of, and working in a predominantly white environment, you know that they take the slightest thing you do and use it against you. You know, if you don't smile enough, if, if, you, if your tone isn't right, they accuse you of being angry or not a team player or just, they just make up shit just to antagonize you. And that's what the Senate Judiciary Committee, at least the Republicans on it, that's what they did to sis all damn week. And it showed up on her face. And she tried really, really hard for it not to show up on her face. I mean, the faces that she she showed were the I'm I'm trying to look pleasant. There's a difference between trying to look pleasant and being pleasant. She did her best, but there's always a furrowed brow and a pursed lip. It's a quick moment that reveals and, and Madame was doing paragraphs with her facial expressions with good reason. I've only watched clips from the hearings. I've only read news articles from the hearings, but like I'm in sense just reading the shit. Like I read something about um, Lindsey Graham. He's asking her about like her faith. He says, what faith are you, by the way? And when I was reading this on MSNBC, they pointed out, you know, that's illegal under federal law for an employer to ask a job candidate about their religious beliefs. And yet that's what Lindsey Graham was doing. He went on to talk about, God, what was the woman's name? The white lady that was nominated. Amy Barrett. She had three names, right? So she had like some religious zealot tendencies, if you recall. She was part of a religious group that people were describing as a cult. And they were known to have some out there beliefs. So her faith did come up in her hearing. Lindsey Graham still feels a way about people asking that woman, who was confirmed, by the way. She's currently on the Supreme Court. He felt a way about the way people asked that nominee about her faith and so because he was mad about the way that Barrett was questioned he decided that the best way to address that was to treat Jackson the same way and I was like why don't you take that up with the people who were asking the questions Jackson ain't got shit to do with it she wasn't there she wasn't there man why are you taking you, you angry with the people that were asking the questions and how they asked the questions why don't you take it up with them Instead of this black woman who just showed up, she just trying to get a job, sir. She just trying to get a job. She ain't got shit to do with it. Petty. And misdirected petty at that. You know I'm okay with a little petty here and there. But direct the petty to the right place. I saw something else about, God, who was a nut job? Was it Ted Cruz? It's always Ted Cruz. The anti-racist baby. So apparently, one of Jackson's children goes to a private school and in the private school there is a library and in the private school library there is a book called anti-racist baby the irony of ted cruz bringing this up 
it was either the New York Times or the Washington Post went and looked it up and they were like, yeah, so you know that this book is also at your kid's school too, right? Like, it's just a book that, that be in schools. Like, you clearly don't believe in the book because now you're badgering the Supreme Court nominee about said book. You don't believe in the book, but yet your child attends school there. Why do you assume that she believes in the book just because her child attends school there? Just like he didn't know that the book was in his kid's school, she probably didn't either. But even if she did, I don't understand how this is related to anything with her. He brings up this book and he's like, have you heard of this book called Anti-Racist Baby? And he's asking her, do you think babies can be racist? Nigga, what? Then he's asking her about critical race theory. I'm like, you don't even know what critical race theory means. Damn near nobody knows what critical race theory means. I think I talked about it once on the podcast. I had to go look it up. I had to go Google it. It's definitely not taught in high schools and it's only taught in like the far reaches of law school. Like, what are y'all talking about? No one's teaching critical race theory in high school. They're barely teaching it in law school. Why does it keep coming up? But Ted Cruz brings it up to Jackson and he's like, so, so, you know, do you support critical race theory? And she was like, um, and it it doesn't come up in, in my job. Like, I've been a judge for, what, like, the better part of 10 years now? Like, no, this this is not something I think about. This is not something I consider. This is literally not something that comes up at work. She had to say that a couple times. Oh, that's the other part of this. There's this narrative of all things to try to, like, paint this black woman, who has children, by the way, who clearly was vetted before she was put up for this nomination, right? She's a black woman. They're trying to get on Supreme Court. They vetted every nook and cranny of her life before she was nominated. Trust. They're trying to paint her as not even as like soft on child pornography or abuse of children, but almost being like supportive of it. And the logic that they're using to to present this narrative is that she hasn't done super harsh sentences for people who were found guilty of child pornography. And so they're saying to her that, you know, you should have gone harder. You're soft, not just on crime, but you're soft on child pornography. Of all things not to go hard about, this is the thing that you choose not to. And so clearly you're overall lenient on crime. She was like, so hey, 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 I'm a judge. I'm a judge. And I have mandates of how I can sentence people. And, and the mandates, the guidelines are created by Congress. Like, so I, I work within the guidelines that you all give me. That's how I, that's how I do my sentencing. Thank you. So I'm like, not only do you not know what this woman's job is, do you even know what your own job is? (sighs) Somebody else asked her, can you define what a woman is? And she was like, I'm not a biologist. I guess they're trying to figure out her stance on, on trans issues. Well, if that's the case, just ask about trans issues. Don't like, can you define a woman? What? I feel so bad for this woman. The, was it the Washington Post? Oh, no, it was the nation. Back to Ted Cruz. He'd asked her, I guess it was about the anti-racist baby thing. And she was just so fed up. And she gave this deep sigh. And she said, Senator, over on the nation, they interpreted her sigh as her debating whether she should risk it all and tell this man about himself. Tell him how stupid and ignorant Now, she'll never get nominated. She goes and has one of the outbursts like the guy who liked to drink and was accused of rape, Kavanaugh. If she pulled one of his outbursts, even the most liberal of white people would be like, oh, my God, belligerent, angry black woman, unstable, can't be on court. They would totally use it against her. So she has to stay measured. The most she can do is a furrowed brow. And she said, Senator, I didn't take it as a risk at all moment. 
I didn't take the size that I took it as just tired and not that kind of like tired. I want to lay down and go to sleep, but just tired of white folks tired, which is a distinctly different tired from every other part of tired. It's not tired of a day. It's tired of a lifetime of this bullshit. And it's really on some like again with this shit. That's what I interpreted her sigh as. And that's what I interpreted the way she said, Senator, it's the last nerve. He was on the last nerve. There's so much more important, better shit to do. And this is all you got to bring to me today. You bringing this bullshit to me today again. That's what I took her sigh as. I felt bad for her. I see a lot of people talking about like, oh, being a black woman at work, being a black woman anywhere. Just being a black woman who leaves her house and goes anywhere where there are not other black women. It's just. <sighs> Senator. Cory Booker saved the day. There have been many articles written about the amount of, I guess, grandstanding um, or attention seeking because there are so many cameras that the Republican senators were playing into. And I want to say this about Cory Booker because I believe two things can be true. I believe what he said to Jackson which were beautiful words and were very heartfelt and very sincere. And he got choked up and she cried. And I know where her tears came from. And I'm glad that she did cry. I mean, as a black woman, I look at her and I see her humanity. I don't know all the details of her story to get to where she is, but I know all of the details of her story for her to get where she is. That was a long road uphill the whole way. Not even to get on the court yet, but just to be nominated endurance patience and sucking up a lot of bullshit for decades to get to where she is i'm glad that cory booker said kind words to her i'm glad that he affirmed her i'm glad that he spoke of her as being his north star and he compared her to harriet tubman i'm glad that he did that for her i also want to acknowledge that in him doing that he was doing the exact same thing that the gop senators were there are cameras here oh i'm about to get me some camera time he used it for good and not evil, which I totally respect. But I mean, politicians are politicians. And I like Cory Booker. I think he's a very nice person. I met him once at a little fundraiser in L.A. It was very nice, very intimate. It was like 30 people in the room and like Cory Booker, who was running for president. And was like, let's take a selfie. I was like, oh, OK. And then told me we look like cousins. And when I looked at the picture and I was like, oh, shit, we kind of do look related. All light skinned people don't look alike. And he's way lighter than me. But we did kind of look like family. It was weird. But no, but he said very kind words to her. And I like that he he specifically did it. I think it was important. I don't know if it's important to white people. I don't really think about what white people find important. It was important for black people, black men and women, not just black women, but to see a black man affirm a black woman publicly and passionately. He saw a need and addressed it. It also got him a lot of TV time, but he saw a need and addressed it. He filled the void after the bullshit she'd been through with all those other questions, asking her stupid shit for hours, for days. She needed to be poured into. She held it together really, really well. But I don't know if we could go through another day of that shit. That was a lot. Even to just watch clips was a lot to live it. My God. But she did it, and she'll likely become the first black woman to be a Supreme Court justice. I'm supremely happy for her. I echo all of this, the beautiful sentiments that, that Cory Booker said. He talked about the joy. He wasn't willing to let his joy be stolen in this moment, and that this is a big deal. It's a really big deal, and it is. I look forward to celebrating the occasion of the first black woman to become a Supreme Court justice. That would make me really, really happy. It's going to happen. 
I hate that she had to like, you know, wade through shit, not water, but shit to get to this point. But once she got the job, they can't take it. Mm. So, yeah. So that is the episode for this week. I apologize again for the lateness, but we got it done. I'm about to go up on the rooftop of this hotel and edit it. And then I'm going to take my black ass home. I should have checked out this hotel about a good 90 minutes ago. We'll be all right. All right, y'all. If you have not picked up merch for Ratchet and Respectable, it's available on my website, DemetriaLLucas.com. If you ordered on Tuesday, those shipments haven't gone out yet. They'll go out in the morning. Thank you for your patience while I pull everything together. I do appreciate you. That's not everything, but that's what we got. And we'll talk again next week. Okay, bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 